Well, good morning. Welcome to Zion on this sixth Sunday after Epiphany. Uh, before we begin our worship, just looking ahead on our calendar, uh, a reminder that Shrove Tuesday is next Tuesday, the 21st, so make plans to, to stop by and have some pancakes with us that night. Uh, but then the next day, the 22nd, of course, is Ash Wednesday, so plan to worship with us that night at 7 o'clock as we observe Ash Wednesday. Uh, also on the calendar, reminder that we will have Bible study this Wednesday, and it will be our final Bible study before, before we get into Lent. And then also we are planning our game night for February 19th, so plan to come by that Sunday night and play games with us and hang out. Are there any other announcements for the congregation or prayer requests that you have? Yeah, Rose. Did you want to say something about signing up for the soup supper? Oh, yeah, thank you. Yep. Uh, for the, yeah, I needed that. For the midweek services, we will plan to do soup suppers again before the services. Uh, if you would like to bring a soup one Wednesday night, there's a sign-up sheet out in the narthex. Just jot your name down. If you have any idea of what kind of soup you might bring, put that there too, so then other people will have an idea of what you're bringing, and we don't have repeats. Uh, so that's out there. Uh, last year, it was a good time. I think we really enjoyed having those soup suppers together. So, Other announcements or prayer requests? Yeah, Kevin? Yeah, just give an update on Daddy. Uh, it'll be about a month. Uh, Friday, he was got home from the hospital, and he just finished up his home uh, physical therapy uh, Friday. So he's hanging in there day by day. He seems to be getting better. So yeah, good prayers. Yeah, we continue to pray for Charlie and Jane. Yeah, Regina. I want to update everybody. Um, there's been a, a baby Owen in the bulletin for quite some time. Yeah. That is my nephew and wife's firstborn. Uh, it came unexpectedly at 28 weeks. Um, it's been in the NIC unit at Nationwide. He's been in there and got released Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that update. We'll continue to pray for Owen. Other requests? All right, if there's nothing else, I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your hearts and quiet your minds as we listen to the prelude and prepare for worship.
Congress and I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captives to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you with all word and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for us and for his sake forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. God, the strength of all who hope in you. Because we are weak mortals, we accomplish nothing good without you. Help us to see and understand the things we ought to do, and give us grace and power to do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The first reading is from Deuteronomy. Moses said to the people, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, 
so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. The word of the Lord. We will uh, read responsibly Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Happy are they whose way is blameless, who follow the teaching of the Lord. Happy are they who observe your decrees and seek you with all their hearts. Who never do any wrong, but always walk in your ways. Oh, that my ways were made so direct that I might keep your statutes. But I shall not be put to shame when I regard all your commandments. I will thank you with a true heart when I have learned your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Second reading is from 1 Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not of the flesh, and behaving according to human inclinations. For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, You fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. 
You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of unchastity causes her to commit adultery. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, our confirmation catechism students are required to take sermon notes once a month as part of their course requirements. So occasionally you might see them scribbling during the worship service. But I give them a worksheet to help them to take notes. And so in my opinion, the most important part of the worksheet that I give them and the part that I hope they pay the most attention to is the question, in the sermon, did you hear law, gospel, or both? Explain. So Lutherans believe that God speaks to us in two words, law and gospel, or sometimes said in command and promise. And so being able to make that distinction between law and gospel is really the key to understanding the Bible and indeed to understanding our very own salvation. We, however, mess it up quite a bit, and so we constantly need to be reminded of that difference. And so when we talk about law as Lutherans, we're saying what God demands of us. These are the commandments of God. These are the standards God sets out for us to know what holiness looks like. In the law, in the law God gives us a word or a message and that word is fear, love, and trust me above all else, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what God demands of us, nothing short of that. He demands that you love him above all else, and he demands that you love your neighbor as yourself. That's the law in a nutshell. And so if you don't follow this, you, follow, you fall short of the glory of God. You're unworthy of sharing in his kingdom. Well, as we read from Matthew chapter 5 this morning, I hope that the confirmation students picked up on the fact that we have just heard a word of law. And we've heard it very clearly from Christ. We have heard what it is that God demands of us. And so in this reading, Jesus is illuminating and explaining the law to us. And what Jesus is doing in particular is that he's showing us the ways in which we try to skirt around the law. 
So for example, Jesus starts right away with the fifth commandment. You have heard that it was said to those in ancient times, you shall not murder. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or a sister, you will be liable to judgment. If you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. If you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. Well, Jesus is getting right to the heart of the matter. And what he's getting at is that all of us try to use the law to excuse ourselves. We try to skirt around it. We look at the commandments, like the fifth commandment, and we say, okay, I'm good. At least I didn't murder anyone today. Right? I didn't stab my neighbor because they were annoying, so I'm doing okay. But Jesus is telling us, hold up just a minute. Maybe you didn't stab your neighbor today. Okay, good. But what is really going on in your heart? In your heart, are you loving that obnoxious neighbor as yourself? And the commandment Jesus tells us is about revealing the heart you have and how that heart relates to the neighbor. If you love your neighbor, not only will you not murder him, you will not call him a fool. And instead, you will support him and work to help him and serve him as you are able. And when you fall short of that, you fall short of the law. And that's not arbitrary. Jesus isn't laying out arbitrary rules here. Because in the law, God is really showing us what his goodness for us looks like. God shows us that goodness is not just about murdering your neighbor. To be good is to actively love and serve your neighbor. right? Because that's exactly who God is. God is the one who loves. Jesus also makes sure here that we know that we can't get ourselves out of our own guilt. So he says, so when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and sister, and then come and offer your guilt. In other words, if you are on bad terms with your neighbor, don't think that a sacrifice is going to solve your problem. Leaving a gift at the altar does not absolve you from your sins. You're still guilty. And as sinners, we often try something like that. We think that we can soothe our guilty consciences by just showing up to church, as if walking through the church doors will make God happy with us. We think that if we write a check to the church, then we can be excused for breaking God's law. Maybe if we show up to church, we actively participate, show the world we are good Christians, give to charity, and so on, then the hate we carry in our heart will get overlooked. But Jesus says, no, you can't erase your own guilt by being religious. And then Jesus moves on to talk about the sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Now, there's much debate and much consternation about what Jesus says here. But what was going on in Jesus' day was that many educated men were looking for an easy way out of their marriages. Men were trying to figure out how to use God's law to justify divorcing their wives. And so they were saying, actually, we're good. We didn't actually commit adultery. We're very good and holy. The law actually says we can get a divorce as long as we write up a certificate. It's okay. And Jesus again says, hold up a minute. Because you are guilty of breaking that commandment. Because you're guilty of lust. You are indeed a sinner. 
you can't use the law to get around that fact. And so Jesus goes on to tell us that the heart of marriage is loving your neighbor as yourself. Marriage is about the opportunity to love your neighbor. Your spouse is your first neighbor. And you love them by staying true and faithful to them, serving and supporting them as you are able. And then out of marriage comes that larger household, a larger family of children, grandchildren, cousins, brothers and sisters, and so on. And all of these are also your neighbor to love and serve. And then your household goes out and serves the wider community. But that's what marriage, according to Jesus, is all about, loving your neighbor. And so, of course, we read this with much consternation in modern times because we get marriage wrong so often. We imagine that marriage is only built on something called romance, or we imagine that we have to find the perfect person or our soulmate to be married. Now, of course, that is silly. Marriage is the opportunity to love our neighbor as ourselves by becoming one flesh together. And so anyone who is married knows how often our sins get in the way of loving the neighbor who is our spouse. Being married to someone will quickly cure you of any self-delusion that you're perfect, that you're sinless. Your spouse will let you know that you are a sinner. And that becomes obvious in that marital relationship how much we fail in loving the neighbor who is the closest to us. And that's what Christ is telling us in Matthew 5. When he illuminates the law for us, he's making it clear. Your problem is with your heart. You are wrong if you begin to believe that you can stand before God and claim to follow the commandments. The reformers often talk about the commandments of God as a mirror. We hold up the law to see ourselves and to see our failures. We know that we haven't loved God with our whole hearts, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are guilty. And the more we try to make excuses or try to get around that reality, the deeper we're going to dig ourselves into a hole of sin and shame. In 2 Corinthians, St. Paul says that the letter of the law, these commands that they kill, that is, when we hold up the mirror of the law to ourselves, we should realize that we have no righteous leg to stand on. We are guilty. And on its own, that should terrify you. The law should terrify the old sinner in you. And Jesus clearly and plainly says that if you call someone even a fool, you'll be liable to hell. As a sinner, you are guilty. You have broken the law. You are liable to hell. But thanks be to God, the law is not the only word. The law is not God's last word. God's last word to us is the gospel. That is the good news. The gospel is what God promises to you and what he does for you. And God's promise is that when you trust in him, your sins are forgiven. You, Christian, are forgiven. Your sins are no more. They are washed away in your baptism. They're erased when I stand here and say to you the words of absolution. Now you indeed have broken the law. You once stood condemned. You were guilty. But now, but now you are forgiven. Because Christ has come and lived out this law perfectly perfectly. 
on your behalf. Christ is the one who trusted and loved God above all else. Christ is the one who loved his neighbor as himself. And so now you are given his righteousness and his perfection. Where you have failed, Christ has succeeded. And because of Christ, you are forgiven. And so this is what the law does for us as Christians. When we come to a difficult word of law like we have here in Matthew 5, it should make us return over and over to the word of the gospel. These hard commandments should drive us to the good news. If we don't hold up God's commandments as a mirror and realize that we are sinners desperately in need of God's grace, then the gospel will not be good news to us. The gospel might become a word that sounds nice. It might be a word that sounds like it excuses our sins, but it doesn't do that. The gospel doesn't excuse your sins. The gospel doesn't say, you don't have to follow the law. You don't have to look at the law. But the gospel is the promise that God forgives your sins. The gospel is the promise that God gives you new life. He resurrects you. When you were dead in your sin because you could not keep the law, he has brought you new life. And so don't shirk away from Christ's difficult words in texts like Matthew chapter 5. Read them, hold them up as a mirror to yourself. See where you are guilty and know that you are guilty. Know that you cannot and have not kept this law. But then run to the words of forgiveness. Run to the promises that God has made to you. Trust in the word of the gospel that God gives you. That is, your sins are forgiven. Amen.
together let us stand and confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. <clears throat> Almighty God, the seas roar and the rivers clap their hands because you come to judge the earth. Receive our thanks that you declare us righteous by water and the word and grant that we would ever live in that baptismal grace. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you make us your children in baptism and desire that we grow and mature in our faith. So bless pastors, teachers, parents, and all who teach your word and give us a constant desire to hear it and gladly learn it. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you condemn unrighteous anger. Even as you command, you shall not murder. You have poured out your righteousness on your Son at the cross that we might be reconciled to you. Now where there is division, move us to repent and be reconciled with one another so that we might live together in peace. Lord, in your mercy. Oh God, the author of truth, you command us, you shall not swear falsely. Give us faith to acknowledge your word and by your strength to do what you command us. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of all, you judge the peoples in righteousness and equity. Give wisdom to our nation's authorities, especially to Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor and preserve us from unjust division, and cause us to love one another. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, our God, you are our life and our strength. Sustain and strengthen those who suffer sickness, affliction, and any kind of trouble, especially Owen, Tom, Charlie, Marcel, Tony, Elsie, Cam, Jack, Sam, John, Marilyn, Nancy, Dana, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, and Lisa, with the promise of everlasting life in Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you give growth to the church by your holy word. Preserve your people from the wisdom of this world, which creates division and follows the winds of the age, and unite the church in a common confession of your truth. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, receive our praise for the faithful lives of the saints who have preceded us in death, who lived by faith in the words of your Son. With them, bring us faithfully to the day of our resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. 
Hear our prayer. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. For to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.